Hi, welcome to the Dear Mark Project podcast. Thank you for listening. Our mission here at Dear Mark is to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be. On this podcast, we discuss a wide range of topics that tackle mental health and social media. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks, Marie. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So let's get us started and uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I started my own private therapy practice um, two years ago now in June of 2020. Um, Before that, though, I was working for an outpatient mental health clinic, um, doing therapy with mostly children and teens, some young adults. Um, But I've been doing therapy for almost 10 years now, and I I've had my license, um, or I'm sorry, I've had my MSW since 2010. So I've been in the social work realm for over a decade. And then, yeah, I'm just so happy to like have my own practice now and like just able to do things on my own and then have time to have, you know, conversations like this with you about about mindfulness. So I'm so excited. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to have you on today. Um, and like you said, we will be discussing mindfulness, especially when it comes to social media. So let's get into it. Um, so Megan, let's set the stage. So what exactly do you mean by mindfulness? What is that? Right. So my personal definition of, um, let's say, being mindful is intentionally living in the present moment without holding on to it, judging it, um, as well as just refraining from clinging to the past or or reaching towards the future, staying curious and just letting go of the need to control. All of that is what I consider being mindful, quote unquote. And so mindfulness is basically any skill or technique that can help you do that, help you stay in the present moment, um, return yourself to the present moment, again, just without without judgment, but you know, with compassion, with ease. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love mindfulness, but I always like to play devil's advocate. So I'm sure there's someone listening saying, Megan, why why do I need to practice mindfulness in my life? So why does mindfulness matter to you? I think because, well, for me personally, it's just helped. It's just helped me slow down. I think in this like kind of hustle culture that our society kind of imparts on us, um, we just, we tend to be really busy and stay stay on autopilot. Um, and that is just something that uh, I just feel like we need to be aware of and be mindful of when that happens. And I think using mindfulness techniques are the best way to kind of get us out of, out of autopilot. And, you know, what are, what's something that we do now when we're on autopilot scrolls, social media. And so that's, it's just, I think it, mindfulness is a way that we can kind of get out of that, that habit, that, that autopilot of just, um, I, you know, I'm not really aware. I'm just doing, I'm just kind of like going through the motions of whatever your kind of like daily routine is. Um, and then, you know, what are you doing in your downtime? Are you enjoying yourself? Are you like engaging with other people or yeah, are you just like glued to your device doom scrolling. So that, that's why, I, you know, I think it can relate to social media because we tend to kind of use that, you know, use our devices as 
in our downtime and when we're on autopilot. And so I think just using mindfulness can can help us get out of that. And mindfulness in general can help you in so many ways, learning more about yourself, helping change negative habits that you want to change, leading to self-acceptance. It can even help with concentration um, and just over time, you know, more resilient to stress. So I'm so big on mindfulness for, for all those reasons. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, how long do you think it takes someone to successfully practice mindfulness? You can pretty much, you can do anything that is mindful. You can practice mindfulness anytime, any day. It like, it doesn't have to be meditation. Yes. Meditation is a great way to practice mindfulness. It has so many healing effects. Um, but there are so many other ways to, to practice mindfulness outside of of meditation. I really try to normalize that, you know, with my clients and my own practice of, you know, if you can't sit still with your thoughts in silence, that's okay. That is hard to do. And so if you're starting out on your mindfulness journey, there are so many other things in terms of just being in nature, being in nature is one of them. Just get outside, you know, go for a walk or just, or just sit in a park and just like get back to your, your senses, get back to the basics. You know, what can you see? What can you smell? What do you hear? Um, I think those are the best ways to kind of start your, your mindfulness practice, your mindfulness journey. You can do that anytime, any day. And it can just be a few minutes. It doesn't have to be this like, you know, hours a day. I don't, you know, I, I wish I had time to meditate for hours a day, but like who, who does honestly? So a few minutes a day is totally fine. And it doesn't have to be meditation. It can be coloring, journaling, reading. Some people, yes, you, we think of video games as like this addictive thing. And yes, it can be. Some people use video games as their mindfulness technique. Like it, it really is about how, how you use it and what it does for you. If, if you, know what, you know what I mean? If something is bringing you back to the present, great, whatever that is. Um. Mm -hmm. yeah and I like that you brought up that mindfulness and especially meditation is hard probably like when you first begin especially and just recently I've kind of gotten into my own meditation yoga practice and the one thing that I really struggled with was understanding that you're not going to have your mind clear and honestly that's not really the goal either just like you said it's about noticing and being present in the moment and understanding that, yeah, you are going to have these thoughts, but just notice them and let them go. Right. And try not to judge them. And I say that so much because I, I have my own issues with like judging myself. That's like so much of the basis of my own like anxiety is like fear of being judged. And we tend to do, I, I just think we are our own harshest critics and our own, you know, like biggest sources of that, that fear and judgment. And so that's been my kind of biggest challenge and, and hurdle of starting my own mindfulness and meditation practice is to just not, don't judge yourself harshly, no matter what is happening, no matter what thoughts are coming, however easy or hard it is. Cause like, you're the only one doing it. There's nobody else there, but you, this practice is for you and yourself and your mental health. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's so powerful. And I love that you also brought up practicing mindfulness on social media. So how can we practice mindfulness on social media? No, that is a great question. I think, so we have to be aware of like who we're following 
I mean, who, you know, how long have you had your, your accounts? If you've had them for years and years and you're following certain people that just don't fit you anymore, certain accounts, whatever they may be, like, it's okay to unfollow. It's okay to mute. They've, there's so many different ways to like block out just content that you don't want to see anymore. And so I, and again, I think that's okay. We have to kind of give ourselves permission to do that. Um, if we've had certain accounts for a long time or any, anything that we have to do to like reset, if we, if we find ourselves just in a rut, um, of like, I, I'm not getting anything positive from like what I'm seeing, what I'm, what I'm following. Um, a digital detox is something I've recommended to my clients um, at times if they if they have the means, if you can take a weekend off from your devices. I just think that is such a good way to reset. If you are experiencing burnout, for example, you know, doing a digital detox and just trying to like have a day or two of either not being on certain apps or not being on your phone at all you know, not being on, on any devices. It depends, you know, there's certain, there's different levels to a digital detox as, but as, as much as you can just take a break from it, I think just helps you reset so much and it can get, help you get clarity, a more clear picture of like, what are my intentions here? You know, my personal definition of mindfulness, intentionally living, what are your intentions? And I think kind of taking a moment to pause and sit and to just like, think about that of like, what are my intentions with following these accounts, using this social media um, platform, whatever it may be? I think just kind of like taking a step back to reflect on that is is a really good way to be mindful of your social media use. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the social media detox or the digital detox. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of people, including myself, that have really wanted to do that. But it's like, how do I set myself up for success in order to have a successful social media detox? So what are some tips for that to get started? Yeah, I, I know that there, again, I haven't done this myself, but I have clients that have set alarms or there's a there's ways to like have your phone, like turn off at certain times, or even just if you literally set an alarm, say like, okay, I'm, I'm done using my phone at this time. Um, you can kind of start off small if you think, I don't know if I'm just going to be able to not use my phone for an entire 24 to 48 hours, then start with, okay, I'm not going to use it past 8 PM, past 7 PM, past 6 PM, like whatever you want to do to like, just limit yourself and structure that, that usage. Um, if you can go as far as, Oh, I'm going to take a whole day off, then put it somewhere where you're not going to be tempted your device. And then just, you've got to have that plan, have a plan for what you're going to do. And hopefully it's something outside, something with people. Some, even if it's by yourself, that's okay. Whatever, like if you're an introvert, extrovert, whatever helps you recharge, whatever helps you energize, um, you know, just getting back to the basics of what, you know, engage, what engages your senses, what makes you feel in the present moment, what interests you. Is it something creative? You know, all, all of that good stuff. I think having a plan for your digital detox, however long that's going to be, if it's a day, a couple days, just a couple hours, but having a plan, that's my biggest piece of advice. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
That's great. And yeah, and I feel like when you are setting yourself up for success for this seemingly daunting task, you also need to understand some of the challenges that you might face so you're better prepared to face those challenges. So what are our biggest challenges when we're getting into the practice of mindfulness? Getting getting started. I think getting out of the autopilot and just getting started because it, it, when we're so just ingrained in this habit of, oh, I just got to grab my phone and and, and my downtime or something. It's, it's just so hard to get out of that. And so again, the more you can have a semblance of a plan, um, and have those intentions, what is my intention here for, for revamping my social media usage for taking this digital detox? Like, what do I want out of this? And that, you know, I think helps guide how you, how you can kind of navigate, like, Use, you know, getting getting started, if you will, because I think getting started is truly like the hardest part, because it, like you said, it can seem really daunting to just make this change. Our our lizard brains interpret any change as just so fearful. And so, you know, familiarity is a big part of, you know, we don't want to make the change because we're stuck in the familiar. The familiar is is comforting. And that's why getting started, I think, is is so is so difficult. Um, but just reminding yourself, like this is for you. This is on your terms. There's there is no judgment here. You know, this is just for you and your own mental well being. And so, there aren't any any rules, so to speak, as long as it's for you. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but just in working with my clients, it's like, you know, what, what should I do? I don't, there aren't no, there aren't any rules. I don't want to tell you what to do as long as it's on your terms. It's, it's your choosing how you are going to be mindful, get out of this autopilot. How are you going to change this habit? So I try to make it as like client centered as possible, if that makes sense. (laughs) And I feel like when we're, especially trying to have a goal that's going to help us in the long run. But like once we actually get to that, just like you said, it can be a little bit daunting. So I love to remind ourselves of the um, end results, the great end results that are going to happen once we actually do this. So what are some um, like benefits for practicing mindfulness that we can remind ourselves of? Yeah, feeling just more at ease and at peace and like, the better understanding of yourself. And again, just when you can sit there and be in the present moment and just notice what's happening to you, whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally, like you, you just have a better understanding of yourself. And I think the more that we can know ourselves, the better we can help ourselves. And when we're in that autopilot, like we're just, we're not paying attention fully. to what we're doing, what we need at that, at that moment. And so if you can, you know, if we can slow down and just, you know, what is being aware, having that mindfulness, that awareness of where you are in the present is just going to give you better tools to help you in any sort of stressful moment. That's why I say like the more you do it, yeah, the more resilient you're going to become to stress because you're going to know oh yeah, this is happening in me right now, which means I might need this. I might need that. You know, if I'm, I'm feeling more irritable, is it because I'm hungry? Do, am I tired? Do I need to go for a walk? Like really basic things, but the, it's so simple. And the more you can do that over the long 
term, like, yes, it's so much better for us and just knowing how to respond to, to certain things, certain stressors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that. And Megan, when we were had our uh, intro call, one of the things that we discussed is that um, you have a kid of your own. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, is really important for us at the Dear Mark Project is getting to the adolescents and young adults and teens in order to have a better and healthier social media experience. And one of the toughest things is having a supportive parent role. And there's a lot of parents that are struggling with this because when they grew up, you know, they didn't have all the social media. So it's like, how do you build practical tools and healthy habits? And how do you, um, teach that to your kids. And so I just, I wanted to ask you to hopefully help out those parents. Um, how do you go about setting healthy boundaries around social media with your kid? Yeah. So I'm lucky in the sense that my daughter is only seven. I, God help me when she gets to the teen years. Cause yeah, I, she's definitely seven going on 17 with her personality. Um, she wants to have her own accounts. She has already asked me when she can have her own YouTube channel. And I'm like, I definitely when you're out of elementary school, good night. So I, it's definitely hard and it makes me nervous. So I'm just, I'm trying to be like real about, about that, disclosing that. Um, but yeah, like she does not have any of her own accounts, of course, at, at seven. Um, she watches YouTube videos that are age appropriate, of course, but in terms of having her own accounts, I'm going to try to to push that to the middle school years as, as much as possible, um, if not further. But but yeah, I've had, I have a lot of experience in working with teens and just trying to talk to them about like, you know, are you being safe? How do you navigate this? Like, you know, so I just in working with my clients, I've had a lot more experience, I think, just, just talking about it in general. Um, but I also wanted to bring up that um, mhanational.org, Mental Health America, did a back-to-school campaign. And so I, I pulled a lot of good information from there that I think was, was really helpful, um, or I'm sorry, is really helpful in navigating social media with, with your teen, especially. And I thought they had a lot of good things to say. Um, and it's funny because one of the things they, they said on their website is that it can be difficult for adults who grew up with limited social media or even without social media to understand why it's so important um, to young people. And like, literally, like I had a, you know, a session this morning with a 16 year old client and they said word for word, like, you know, my mom doesn't understand why I can like why social media is so important to me and like why um, certain things I can like develop like attachments to like celebrities because of, of the internet and social media and having all of this exposure to certain things, certain people, certain artists, what have you. Um, there are certainly good and bad things to it. Like the, the campaign also said, um, what youth are saying about how does social media help your mental health and how does it harm your mental health? And I, so I just, if it's okay to like highlight some of those things that they said, cause I just thought it was really interesting. Um, this was a survey that they did on 
like 1300 teens. And so some of the things they were saying, how does it help your mental health? Making me feel like I'm not alone. Um, watching ASMR videos, it gives me an escape when I'm feeling anxious. Access to visuals or bite-sized info related to coping strategies or mental health, which is essentially what um, my private practice's Instagram account is, essentially. And so I was like, that that was very validating to me to hear. But um, feeling connected to the greater whole, following accounts that support my mental health journey, and connecting with friends far away. All of that is really good, you know, positive benefits to mental health that that teens feel. And so I I feel, I guess I wanted to highlight that just to maybe help any parents of teens out there who are who just like kind of don't understand like what the attachment is and why they are constantly on their phones on social media um a big part of it is is that it's it is that it's a way to get that need for love and belonging met as humans we have a core need for love and belonging and social media does help us achieve that if we can find our our community, our space, you know, our people, um, that are going to be supportive, then it's a great, it's a great tool. Now the ugly side of it, how does it harm your mental health? The very first thing that's listed here is that it, there are the posts that are glorify or romanticize eating disorders. That was the very first thing that was listed. And that was, that just struck me a lot. Um, cause I definitely have clients that struggle with eating disorders and we talk about social media all the time. Another answer, when I lose track of time and end up scrolling the day away, comparison, black holes of negativity, watching extreme unhealthy conflict and comments. I didn't think about that, but that was super interesting to me. And I've asked clients about this. Like, do you see like, you know, like comments, like people like fighting in comments and they're arguing in comments and stuff. And they're like, yeah, and that's, that's like stressful to see. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But then another thing, just comparing, looking at people having a life I wish to have and then seeing others that have better looking bodies than I do. That is the worst part. That is, to me, the worst part of it all is just the comparison that that you do to uh, to other people and other accounts and especially when they're not real, they're edited, they're filtered, they're just doing things that just aren't real and it's just it's just super fake and and then you have young folks that are thinking that oh this is the norm this is the standard of beauty and no it's awful it shouldn't be that way so that is absolutely the ugly side of of social media harm to our mental health so I wanted to to highlight that thank you for letting me like go on about about that um that resource that information yeah, thank you so much for providing that. That's absolutely fantastic. And that's going to provide a lot of really, really good, helpful tools for other parents out there. So yeah, thank you so, so much. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And please tell the viewers how to find you and what you have going on in your life. Of course. So my my Instagram account is at claritywellness.solutions. I've got a link in my bio there where you can check out my website and my YouTube account, which has some cool guided meditations. And then, yeah, claritywellness.com, my main website, if you either want to be a client or would love to come work for me, or you just want to check out some bite-sized mental health content. But thank you so much, Maria. I really appreciate you letting me talk about all this. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I highly recommend uh, checking out Megan's website and social media. She's absolutely fantastic. So again, thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about how to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be, follow us on Instagram at the Dear Mark Project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.